Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into uh, we get into Whoa, I whatever band I know in life. <laughs> whatever band or artist <laughs> we're doing, and we listen to all their records and we rank them from worst to best. And we also give our biggest banger from each of them. Uh, but before we do that, we get into our Bye-bye. Six Degrees of Tom DeLonge. If you don't know what that is, that's where we connect the album of the week or the artist of the week to Tom DeLonge in Six Degrees or less. While you're listening, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And give us five stars in there. Don't give us one star. Don't be a douchebag. Don't be that guy. That don't person. be a Bocephus. Don't, don't be a Bocephus and give us a one star, you douchebag. Uh, yeah. And while you're also listening, follow us on all the social medias, at Asinine Radio. Super easy to remember and type in. So go do it, you lazy asses. And, uh, you know, we have a Discord server. If you want to join that, hit us up. We'll send you the link. And we have a phone number. You can call, leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text. People do it sometimes. And that phone number is 503-893-5307. Now, Jeff. Oh, if you don't know, my name is Tyler. And way out there, hundreds of miles away, is Jeff. So, yeah, let's uh, let's jump right into the Six Degrees with Tom DeLonge. Unfortunately, I don't have anything. Oh, wow. So what do you got? So I wanted to do just like the the lesser of, of the bandmates doing Wayne Kramer would have just like uh, uh, boring. So I started with the drummer. Okay. Drummer Dennis Thompson. He was in a band called the new order with Studios guitarist, Ron Ashton. Ron Ashton played on Studios albums, obviously including their fourth album from 2007, which is kind of weird. Did not know that with yeah. member Mike Watt. That was a new guy that joined for that album. Mike Watt also played with Juliana Hatfield. Juliana Hatfield has played on album with Mikey Welsh on various occasions from Weezer. Mikey played with Pat Wilson. Also did a couple stints in Special Goodness. But Pat Wilson's guitarist for Special Goodness was Adam Willard on multiple occasions. Adam Willard knows Tom or did something with Tom. I don't remember. But they've interacted in various capacities. That is correct. That's a good one. I like that one. I like that one a lot. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I I I um I I was trying to do another one, but then I just I, I it went off the rails because I just I don't know I, I was in this whole like art trading underground thing that it led to and I can't even <laughs> fucking find what it was. So I was trying to do the bass player, and the bass player had ties to this other band uh, called Destroy All Monsters, and then I mm-hmm. then like the the singer of Destroy All Monsters was this this girl by the name of. Lynn Rovner, but her I guess her 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 stage name, her share name is, is Niagara, like Niagara Falls. Okay. And she did a lot of like impressionist paintings and stuff, and I don't know a dick about paintings. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And so then I was I was kind of just, just thinking like, okay, like let's see some of her paintings and then she's she's tied to this guy named Roy Lichtenstein. Ooh, cool name. Yeah, like the like this like this country. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
and and I've never heard of him, but he did this this painting or this this thing, and now I can't even fucking find it. But <laughs> I can't remember what it was. I think it's just called like girl. It's just called something so basic, something so stupid. But it's one of like the 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 biggest or the most expensive paintings ever sold. Shit. And then that led me down the the path of okay, what are the most expensive paintings ever sold, <laughs> right? Because th- that's where you th- you have to know. Like I have to yeah. know. And so like the most expensive paintings ever sold was just recently. And it was some Leonardo da Vinci painting I've never seen, but it was bought by by some Saudi Arabian guy and people think that he bought it for his friend who's some like tycoon that I think people don't like. And, and then now, so it sold for $450 million, God right? Damn. 2017, it sold for 400 and half a billion dollars for a fucking painting this sold for. Jesus. And now the painting, nobody knows where it is. It was supposed to be on, on display at like the Louvre in Saudi Arabia or the Louvre in Dubai or somewhere. And it just never showed up. And they were like, so where's the painting? He's like, oh, I, I, I'm keeping it for myself. I don't know. So, like, the painting is, like, missing. It's just gone. What Which is so fuck? fucking weird. And there's all these conspiracies about, like, where this painting actually is. And it just, uh, it's a really cool rabble hole to go down because it's so <laughs> dumb. And it's so stupid. But if you look at, like, the top 15, <laughs> top 20 paintings, most expensive paintings ever sold, half of them are just, like, naked women on beds. Like, Titanic mm. style, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's, there's, dude, like, we're talking over a hundred, two hundred million for these paintings, and I just, I, I could not, I can't, I can't even fucking believe it. I cannot believe it's insanity. That kind of money is spent on, on colors. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I spent a solid like hour just looking into a lot of these, a lot of these things. Maybe, uh, maybe Mr. Bean got a hold of that, that painting. That's why it's never been seen again. <laughs> I can love that scene. That, yeah, that Mister, that fucking movie is so funny. When he's and then he paint, and then he like he sharpies the face back on the Mona Lisa, and it looks like total shit. Total shit. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. You know what's crazy is the majority of these of these top these top cells. Okay, so like there's this one place called Christie's. Christie's New York it's it's but I think it's an it's just an like auction house which is based out of England but most of mm-hmm. them that are that are not private party are sold through this Christie's auction house so I think that's kind of weird for one and then like the vast majority of these paintings are private sales private okay. sales which yeah, I also yeah. think is very bizarre like I don't know that's just a lot of money just to be like you got it yeah I got it all right cool here you go pull I pull the pull like 300 million dollars out of your pocket and give it to some guy oh thanks a lot have a good day like an offer up exchange like you're like yeah, you're on Craigslist yeah. it's, it's bizarre insane it's how weird. much money it's is just thrown around like that it it's disgusting honestly that's <laughs> but that that gross. that uh that the most expensive painting is is a da Vinci painting and it's from like the 1500s yeah and yeah just i just think like how much money do you remember what it was called? It was called Salvatore Mundi. Mundi. Sal- Salvatore Mundi. And it looks, from what I remember, it looks just like Jesus. And he has like his hand up as if he's like holding two fingers in the air. Like he's telling you to be quiet. Like, shh. Oh, what, okay. I've seen this like. picture. Yeah. I've never seen this before, but. I've seen I've seen this in variations of, of this painting. It makes me think like, 
you know, the job to get is like authenticating these pictures because if some guy's paying 450 mil for this, that means he's going to be paying the guy to like authenticate it probably like a million dollars. Oh, at least. Like if you got that kind of money to throw around. So that's, that's what you should be getting into. Everybody out there looking for your TikTok fame. <laughs> you should be getting to authenticating high priced paintings. Fucking shit. Dude. Cause you only got to do it once. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Really? You're right. You're right. <laughs> wow. Oh, and then the and then one of the other top ones too that sold for like three hundred million in a private sale uh, was the seller was uh, fucking David Geffen. He sold to some some hedge fund guy for you know two three four hundred million dollars. How the fuck did I don't he get like it? That. Yeah, I don't like it. I Think about know. how much money David Geffen has gotten just through the music industry. It's not a guacamole right there. It's fucking disgusting that people are paying $400 million for paintings. I, I, I can't imagine Leonardo da Vinci being proud of that fact. No, not at all. What do we know? I mean, I haven't talked to Leonardo in a long time, but I don't think no. he'd be stoked about it. I've talked to all of them. I've talked to Leonardo, Donatello, Michelangelo, Raph? Casey Jones. Talked to Raph, too? I don't talk so to Raph. Though. He's a hothead. <laughs> so yeah, that's all I got for my six degrees. <laughs> Dumb conversation. Dumb way to end the conversation, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so then let's. Uh, I like I said, I, I don't have, I don't have anything for my six degrees. I'm negligent this week. Be negligent. Uh, so let's jump right into our ranking. So if you don't know, we're doing MC5, and MC5 have three records. One of them being a live record, but it's still considered, you know their first first album and so uh we're doing that the live one kick out the jams as well as their other two records because they were a very short-lived band so let's uh jump into number three what do you got and your biggest banger oh you didn't say go so i didn't, I didn't know what to do okay there we go yep so high time high time high i mean these time, rankings baby. like it's gonna be so hard to argue like you can't believe you put this here because it's just fucking three of them really there's yeah, two yeah. of them so high time, it's their last album. I mean, it's it's fine, but honestly, this is just another drop in the '70s hard rock bucket. By this time, Grand Funk had already dropped four solid albums, an incredible live album. MC Five just went the forgettable route and didn't mm-hmm. this sound, and it's not bad. I just I think it's really really good. It's just not what I'm looking for when I listen to MC Five, and this is. Um, but they only have two albums, and they both are just just wildly appraised appraised. Prized, uh, praised, praised. You don't widely praised. They're not. They're not, they're not, they're not, they're not paintings, right? Yeah, they're not a Leonardo da Vinci painting. No. Yeah, they're not Leonardo da Vinci Mundi paintings. <laughs> so it's it, it's wildly praised and, and given phenomenal scores. But honestly, like I'd get, I'd do like one point five. Like I'm never gonna go back really? to this. Yeah, I'm never gonna go back to it. I probably would not buy it on the vinyls unless it was mm-hmm. like dirt cheap. But even then, okay. I probably still wouldn't do it. Um, I don't really have a banger. I, I I I didn't hate it, but it wasn't like the most exciting time. It's fair. I understand. All right. So then my uh, my number three is also High Time, third record from 1972, final record before they split. I think less than a year after this record came out, and um, yeah, they were they were honestly at a low point, which I'm sure we'll get into. I mean, th- there's there's quite a bit to get into with MC5 and. Because they were such a short-lived band, we're probably going to be talking about their entire career. Um, <clears throat> but, 
yeah, high time. I it's de- definitely not a bad record whatsoever, but it is it is slower. It is more hard rock, blues rock is the best way to put it. Like you said, uh, I will say though, some of the songs are I wouldn't say proggy, but kind of jammy at moments, which is cool. Like you could kind of tell they were trying to to change up their 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 style, but yeah, Grand Funk did do it better and um, kind of surprising, you know, they, I, I didn't really see anywhere where they ever played with Grand Funk and they're both from Detroit. I know. So it's kind of strange, but maybe it was because of the, the their political views clashed so much. I don't know. But uh, yeah, anyway, a high time. I, I think it's a solid record. Uh, uh, my favorite song is Skunk, sonically speaking. It's it's straight up is the last a jazz song. song. What's up? Is that the last song, the the instrumental? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the ja- the jazz one with just a ton of electric guitar. It's yeah. almost like I don't want to like compare it to Vi- Mahavishnu because it's not like that, but it's the incorporation of the electric guitar with the jazz elements, and but not being like cheesy jazz fusion. It's just good. It, it was a really really good song, and it was uh, they based a lot of it off of Sun Ra. So we're, we'll get more into Sun Ra in the main episode because there's one song on there. On kick out the jams that uh, lift stuff from Sun Ra. So yeah, that's my number three. High time, third record. What do you got for number two? Go. Uh, back in the USA, their first, I guess, studio album, nineteen seventy. Mm-hmm. This was this was this was good. This was really good. I like this a lot. I mean, it wasn't as, as aggressive and as punchy as their first or their live album, but this this still had remnants of like the raucousness from their first. Was just more fleshed out songs. Their producer wasn't like a punk guy, but nobody was a punk guy at this time. He was yeah. a guy that liked old school rock and roll, that liked Americana. And and some of these songs were slower on this, but they ended up being some of my favorite ones. But God, dude, the rock and roll covers, mm did not really like good. Did oh, not like them at all. Not really? at all. I think they were fucking wow. dumb. I thought it was pandering. I thought it was fucking pathetic. Oh. I thought, why did you even do that? So the first, so like essentially the, the, the record is sandwiched between two rock and roll covers. There's a Chuck Berry and then another, a Tweety Fruity, Little, Little Richard. Richard. Yeah. Did not, did not like him. I just, I don't, I didn't think they were necessary. I thought they were just, I thought that they were pandering. I thought it was pathetic. I thought like, wow, you think I'm an idiot. And I did not like him. <laughs> did All right. not like him. <laughs> okay, but, that's fine. But I do have a banger. And and I would even buy this on the vinyls, even if it was like twenty twenty five dollars. Like if it was like an older pressing, I'd still mm-hmm. buy this, even though I dislike those two songs because everything else on here was that fucking good. And let me try. That was my biggest banger. It was like All the right. slowest song on the album, and I guess it would be their ballad. But mm-hmm. man, that guitar tone was unreal. It's light. It's airy. It matches his vocals perfectly. It matches the songs perfectly. The melody is just it's top notch. And the song is very slow, but it has like a good swing to it. It's got a good bounce to it. You can follow along super easy. It's like a pop song, but it's yeah, still got yeah. some heavy parts to it. And I thought this album was pretty damn good. Considering how good, I mean, obviously the, their live album is my number one, but considering just how iconic, how great that live album is, how great this band is, I don't think, I don't think they knew... I mean, obviously, the hindsight's twenty twenty, so they had no idea the the legacy of their first album would be, and so this is a band that that had not blown up, 
in the, in the in the history books, and so they hire a guy that wants to produce a rock and roll album, and like he does, he produces a rock and roll album, not just with the rock and roll coverage, but like the way these songs are are made, are more kind of for the masses. Like even the slower ballady songs are very, very like Oh Donna by by Richie Valens are very, very in that same vein, They're very basic. Yeah. But MC Five still kind of come through with their, with their, rowdiness. <laughs> I dig. I do too. Um, my my number two is also back in the USA. Their their first studio album, second album overall, and um, yeah, I, I think this is. I actually had this CD growing up. I, I had I had kick out the jams, and I had back in the USA. So I, I've always known about this record. I've always dug the record, but uh, I just never thought it was as good as 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 the the first record and. Um, there's some solid stuff. Stuff I like the covers. I obviously they're not as good as the originals because that's just silly boy talk if you think that. But they're still cool. They're still fun. I mean, Tutti Fruity. How can you not love that song? Even if, even the way they did it, 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 it's still a, a rocking good time. <laughs> that's the worst um, of the two, too. No, it's not. Get the fuck out of here. Can't stand that. <laughs> fuck out of here. So annoying. I would skip that track if I bought this on the vinyls. I would. You're honestly, stupid. that's dumb. That's dumb. That's so dumb. You're dumb. I put a piece of tape. That way, you'd skip it every time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, back in the USA, like, like you said, they, they got a producer who, uh, who eventually worked with Bruce Springsteen and helped bring him up. And his name was John Landau. I think that's it. That was his name. Yeah. And, uh, and like you said, he was mostly into fifties rock and roll rockabilly and stuff. And th- really this entire record has a lot of fifties rock and roll. And, and I know the band were highly influenced by that, like energetic, energetic uh rock and roll and stuff so it makes sense to bring in somebody like that but the production of it was obviously much more polished than that they than they've ever did live but uh it's good i like this record a lot i would for sure get it on the vinyls and uh my favorite song looking at you dude the fucking guitar playing in the song is the best guitar playing wayne kramer and and smith do and this out of all their songs this is the best guitar song for by them. It's fucking awesome. Love that song. And this song, I think, predates the Kick Out the Jams record. I think this is like one of the first songs they ever recorded, uh, like live. They recorded it live, I think, or maybe a demo. But uh, yeah, this is the first time it was actually officially recorded. So there you go. My number two is Back in the USA, Back in the USSR. Back the in the USSA. <laughs> that Beatles song sucks. Yeah, it I can sucks. Hate that song. That no, album's stupid don't. too. That overrated huh? trash. Yeah. That album sucks. Yeah, you're right. I think we both rated the White Album like their bottom tier Beatle albums. Oh, it was it was my least favorite by far. Yeah, that album sucks. Dumb. That and Let It Be, fucking terrible records. Um. Anyway, let's see. So yeah, that's all we. That's all I got. Kick out the jams. Obviously, is our number one. So stay tuned for that because we're gonna be taking a deep dive into this record, the band, and. All that good stuff on the main episodes. So go listen to that. Thank you all for listening. You know, go give us five stars and only five stars. So that's it. That's all. Back in you must just say, Paul McCartney. <laughs>